That's a growler. Do you feel like you took a wrong turn in life? Welcome to Morrow's Motivations, where we talk with people who educate, motivate, and captivate you with inspirational stories. Here's Dontrell. Hello, and welcome to our episode today, and thank you for joining. I am excited to introduce a man who (laughs) is clearly a man of many talents, He is a direct sales leader in his local area, and he's going to share with us a little bit about how he was able to reach this level in his career after years of sacrifice, hard work, determination, and grit. I think you're going to find a lot of nuggets of wisdom in this episode, and so without further ado, let me please introduce my guest and friend, Mr. Drew Kimball. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, Don Trail. How are you, sir? You know, I am doing good, and I am really excited to, uh, you know, talk to you, you and to have you share your awesome story. Now, everyone has heard things that you've done and kind of a little bit of your history with, I would say, entrepreneurship being like the best definition for it, but... I want to hear just personally from you kind of a little bit about what you are doing right now in your life and a little bit about how you got to where you are. But I want you to start by answering one important question. Drew Kimball, how do you personally define success? Well, thank you, Don Trell. It's a great question. And my definition of success is not a certain amount of money in my bank account, but a certain amount of time. I feel like time obviously is more valuable. And uh, we trade it for a lot of things, including money. I believe that um, success is just having the freedom, the time to spend it with those you love and also having abundance. The abundance mentality is success as well, meaning uh, whether that's time, money, work, whatever it is that you do to put um, 100% of yourself into said project. So you have more time, more money, everything. So success is a lot of things, but for me, it's, it's simply feeling like you can live life on your terms and you don't have anything holding you back. And to me, that's success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it and it takes a very disciplined and strong mindset person to kind of understand that and really value the important things in life in that way. I think for yourself, that's something that you've been able to show as an example to those surrounding you and your community and as well as in your family. And kind of talking a little bit about that. So you have been an entrepreneur for how many years now, would you say? Uh, 15. I wouldn't consider myself a full entrepreneur other than I've done different facets of entrepreneurship. So let me elaborate or pontificate on that question. So when I was 21 years old, I quit my job at Home Depot to do summer sales. And most people from Utah know what that term means. But if you're not from Utah, it's basically there's there's an industry, pest control, satellite, home security. There's a variety of other products, but those are kind of the three main ones, I would say, where they recruit a young Salesforce college student base and they go around the country and essentially knock doors and sell products door to door. So I quit my hourly job to go do that. Told my mom I was going to Seattle, Washington to sell home security with my friend, Zach. And she looked at me as if I had worms coming out of my ears. And (laughs) 
I, I uh, went up there and had a great year and I haven't been able to go work for people since. I've uh, <laughs> always been self-employed. And when I was 25, I took a uh, manufactured food product down to Houston and I started my own business and I quickly realized all the different things in business I'm not good at. And so I would recommend any entrepreneur that's listening, just if you're going to start a business, make sure you understand what your strong suits are and what your skills are and what you're willing to hire out and find the right um, partners to help you with the stuff to make the business run and help people um, do what they're good at and collaborate with them. Because let's be honest, if you wear too many hats as a young business, you're going to fall into the, the, um, the e-myth that Michael Gerber wrote a book called the e-myth. It's the, uh, the entrepreneurial technician trap is essentially what he calls it. So if you, if you want to know more about running a, or starting a business, go read the e-myth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that. And I love that you <laughs> you bring up your, your mom. I know Mama Kimball, so I know she's an <laughs> awesome lady. So it's Papa Kimball. And, you know, what what things did you learn early on in your life? Because I know you come from a big family. And I want to know, like, what traits kind of helped prepare you for not only going into a life where you're an entrepreneur, and working towards that, you know, more every day as a full-time goal for a career, but mm-hmm. also like to help you get that principled mindset, like what things specifically in your home and in your family did you learn from the examples that you had there? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I'm from a big family. Uh, my mom and dad had eight kids. I'm the third oldest of eight. There's six boys and two girls. And I wouldn't consider us poor by any means, but we weren't rich either. And we moved to Sandy when I was two. My dad has a relentless work ethic is the simplest way I can describe him. He's 80. He'll be 81 years old this month in a week. He continues to uh, astonish all of us because he works two full-time jobs and his work ethic is second to none. So I would say growing up in a big home, the things that you value are not in abundance, like um, a hot shower. If you don't wake up before 7.30 to go to school, you probably won't get a hot shower. The home I lived in was the 90s, you know, so you didn't have all those resources like they do now. Anyway, um, that caused me to know that it, the early bird gets the worm. I, my mom and dad are full of little sayings and quips. So if I use those throughout this podcast, that's why. But I would say my dad taught me the value of hard work at a young age. He also taught me the value of if you want something, go get it. So if I wanted braces, I had to go pay for those. So I got a job and paid for my own braces. If I wanted a car, I had to go find a job and basically buy my own car. I started working when I was 13 years old for this uh, Billards down the street from my parents' house called High and Mike's. Uh, it's no longer there. My mom hated it when I went there because they allowed smoking inside there and I would just come home and reek of cigarette smoke. But I used to go there and just kind of bust tables and sweep up the parking lot and um, wash coffee mugs, things like that. And it wasn't an official job. I wasn't on their payroll, but the uh, manager on duty that had to do those jobs would give me a little bit of money and and it taught me the value of, well, if I want something, go, go do it. Bring value, go bring value. You do whatever job you want. So after that, um, I did a number of hourly jobs growing up and, uh, you know, basically uh, in order to go on a full-time mission, I was like, well, I need some money. So I filmed, I love skateboarding. And so I would film my 
friends skateboarding. We put together some footage and edited it with uh, music and called it Zero Tolerance. Well, the music wasn't ours, so um, we couldn't license it and sell the DVD. So we just made the DVD for home use, essentially. And then to promote the DVD, we made um, silkscreen T-shirts and hoodies and long sleeve shirts with the, the Zero Tolerance logo on it. And I literally networked through my high school directory to sell those. And I literally um, went door to door in my neighborhood to sell those to people I went to church with in order to get the money to go to my bishop and say, here's the money. I want to go on a mission. And between that and my income at Albertsons, I was able to pay for my mission. And it was ever since I was 21, I discovered selling through my friend, like I mentioned earlier. And, um, I haven't been able to look back since I love sales. I love, um, the contract negotiation, closing deals, you know, prospective customers. I love building relationships and managing those contacts as Dontrell and I probably share the same love and enthusiasm for staying in touch with people and networking because, you know, is no matter what job you do, you're always going to, there's going to be things you love about it and possibly hate about it or not like as much. But no matter who you, what you do, it's, a, it's very important who you work with. So I love all the customers I've been able to work with over the years. I think that's what's kept me in the industry I'm in now. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I've, uh, I would say going back, like how I grew up is I valued work. I valued the ability to work because my dad valued it so much. And the other thing I was going to mention to you is uh, my uh, big family, we didn't have a ton of food. So we're all super skinny. And there was this vivid memory I have of my parents' refrigerator. They had this black and white picture of this old woman with an apron on, like mixing something. And it said, waste not, want not. And so my parents were very thrifty and they taught me all sorts of things of, you know, if, if you can make do without and get creative with what you do have. And that creativity has also earned me a lot of business I feel like I otherwise wouldn't have. Um, because I feel like if you're too robotic in business, you won't attract to get together the people that lack that creativity. And so I feel like when you're creative and you try things out of the box, yeah, sometimes they don't work. Like I, I network a lot and I say a lot of things that probably, uh, don't work out and, um, I'm not scared to try again. The only reason I would fail is if I quit. So I just believe in right. persistence and working hard. Those are really all I have to say on that. <laughs> Right. And it's true. I mean, again, like you said, having that mindset and having that passion really for what you do makes all the difference. And I know for those who may not understand uh, the culture and the environment that you're in, entrepreneurship and networking is really big in the state of Utah, and it's very competitive. And so in order to stand out and be successful, you have to, like you said, think outside of the box. But what I would like to ask you is what specifically, what, what skills did you have to learn to help you to not only stay competitive, but to be successful when you did have to overcome like the challenges that just come naturally in the business world? Hmm. Yeah, very great question. In this day and age with all the marketing online and more advertising than ever through channels like social media and radio and TV. It's you were bombarded with content and it's, it's capturing our attention. It's also distracting us from what our own goals are, I feel like. And so to rewind the tape and say, what, what did I learn back 
when I started my career? Well, the first thing you got you got to establish is who you are as a person. If you know who you are as a person, your moral compass, your integrity, your um, energy will attract other people with those similar goals. I believe that we can collaborate with a lot of different people and you have to be willing to um, help them get what they want. That's my favorite business quote. Zig Ziglar said, you can have anything in this world you want if you'll help enough people get what they want. And so for me, it's all about, first of all, going in with a value proposition to any customer, to an employer, if you're trying to win an interview and bringing value in the form of service, bringing value in the form of collaboration, sharing someone's goals and insights to those goals of, hey, how, how can I help you achieve those? Here's some ideas. But yeah, it's like my friend John Wilhelm always says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so, or he, he says it differently. John Wilhelm says it, it's not who you know. Oh, wait, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. So John mm-hmm. Wilhelm always uh, taught me the value of networking with people and collaborating with them. If you uh, can't bring value to them, connect them with someone that can. And um, don't be afraid to share your contacts with other people because that's what business is. It's you're just trying to move money around and fast, efficiently, and you can't hoard it. You have to share it and you have to collaborate with people and you have to have a team to do it. But yeah, that's the biggest thing uh, that I've learned is get to know the, the right people. Secondly, don't fear rejection. Too many salespeople I've ever trained, they hesitate in sales because they're like, I don't know enough about the product or I'm not prepared or whatever. Okay, all those are important, but they're that's a very limited belief. And it's limited because it's limiting how much effort you put into your job. One thing I started early in my career is if I'm gonna, going to suck at this, I'm going to get over that learning curve as fast and as aggressively as possible. Because the second you run out of things that don't work, inevitably, you'll find the thing that does. And persistence pays and follow up is is key because if you're working on things you struggle with, eventually you'll either get good at them or you'll learn what doesn't work to not do it again. And that's mm-hmm. a form of progression too. So Yes. Yes, it is. And for yourself, I know that you, 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 the way you run your businesses, the way you lead your networking, you're a very honest and very upfront person. And that's, that's great because business doesn't always have a reputation of having, you know, good, honest people to turn to. You always think of the scams and schemes that, you know, you hear about on the news and on such. But for yourself, you having that integrity and bringing that into work, how is it that you were able to overcome sometimes those bad definitions that can come from being a business person or even from the industry itself when you find that there are untrustworthy people that you sometimes have to work with? Great question too. You know, trust is earned and I know it's not given out lightly in this day and age and in business, you mentioned how it's so hard to overcome that stigma of honesty and integrity and mentioning that I did door-to-door sales uh, instantly spikes someone's thought process to say, well, I know some door-to-door sales guys that are dishonest or or whatever. And in that that case, I would say, hate the player, not the game. Obviously, the industry doesn't train you how to scheme or scam people. Obviously, you have to have clear communication and proper expectation level set with a customer. Now, do customers lie just as much as salespeople? Absolutely. Customers avoid telling us the truth and it, it creates friction in the sales process. All relationships are built upon trust and nobody gives it away these days. You have to earn it. And so the way I build um, credibility is through good relationships with happy customers. So if, a, if I have a happy customer, 
they're obviously my best form of referral because I can have them uh, as a reference for a prospective customer. I can have them reach out to a friend and introduce me and explain their personal experience with me. And I think that just lowers the barrier to do more business. It also increases your competitive advantage because people, they get pitched every day and they're not always knowing, okay, well, what's true and what's not? And how do I decipher from what's a good value? Having a customer say, well, they've done this good for me and their companies like this. That's awesome. You need, you need as much of that as you can get. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Sometimes customers have certain expectation and I'm not saying that I've never had people cancel or anything like that. That always happens to all of us. But one thing I refuse to do is get negative and criticize or complain or worse, blame other people. If you're in business, you have to live by the, the mantra that if it's to be, it's up to me. You can't blame other people for not getting stuff done or your commitment to quality service. You have to be willing to sacrifice and give it 110% every day and not worry about what the haters and the naysayers are thinking or saying. I don't get into negative discussions too much with people that had bad experiences for from a previous salesperson in the past. What I do say is I can't fix that for you, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. And I'm sorry that that, that that happened to you. But what I can do is help you negotiate for the future. But you're going to have to let go of that and move forward with me if I make an offer to you. And if they can't, then I'll say, I can tell that you're still kind of hung up on the past. And i sorry it happened to you, but you can't live in the past. Some people have had hard breakups and it's just preventing you from enjoying good relationships in the future. So if you can't get over those things or learn from them, it's going to cripple your progression because it's not going to allow you to move forward. That's what I got. No, that's absolutely the case. And one challenge that I've heard from business owners and entrepreneurs who are in the early beginning phases of creating their their business is business partnerships that they believe is going to be in sync and, and everyone will be like a kumbaya kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But then they realize you know, we have different viewpoints, we have different goals, we have different ideas about where we ultimately see our business going. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those partnerships don't work out and it can be respectful in the way that they dissolve or it can be very messy. And in your experience, how have you been able Mm -hmm. to handle the times where business relationships fell apart and Mm -hmm. how did you overcome that bad breakup? Well, it's a great question. And the answer that I have is, well, my uncles are successful and they work with each other. I've always heard that working with family is hard. So don't choose your partners like with some people you're really close friends with or your family because it strains on the relationship. And um, what they taught me, uh, my uncle Vic and my uncle Dave said, you can work in any partnership if you're equally yoked. And what that means to me is you have to have clear expectations and commitments of what everyone brings to the table, what their role is in the company. So I ran a business when I was 25 down in Houston, Texas. It was a uh, food distribution business for a manufacturer out of Salt Lake City called The Nutty Guys. And I partnered with my brother-in-law who loves Houston, still lives down there. And uh, the partnership, um, it didn't work out for this reason. We split everything 50-50, which was fine, but I was responsible for 100% of the sales. Well, when you're selling a product or a concept, Who's responsible or who's the, the mouthpiece um, to the company? You you are. You're, the salesperson is the brand. They are the first response team to the customer. And they are the middleman between the customer 
and either the employer or the manufacturer or in some cases the owner so the salespeople are very, very important. That's why they're paid so well. It's also, it's a lot of responsibility to manage sales, but also be responsible for warehouse work, which I was doing. Plus my wife was doing all the books for the company. So we did feel like there was an uneven balance with um, with that, but it wasn't my brother-in-law's fault. The margin we had to work with wasn't very big to begin with, number one, and the business model for the company was failing, hence the reason they went out of business. But what I learned from that was partnerships can work, but it's like a marriage or a relationship. You can't expect them to do everything. You have to be equally committed to the goal. And when you're in business, unlike a marriage or anything, really you're not able to take from anything that the business is unless you're meeting the value to the customer. What I mean by that is if you want a successful business, go talk to customers, tell ask them what they need to do business with you. But what is your competitive dis, you know, advantage in the market? And how are you um, distinguishing yourself from the competition? And if you're able to bring a product or a value or a service to a company, that's your business. You are then your boss is your customer. And now your partnership has to maintain basically momentum to the customer. It has to maintain communication, that service level. So when you're not there, your partner's there and you're equally committed to the customer. So to me, having um, a partnership can work, but you have to have that um, equal alignment. I've seen a lot of partnerships fail and I've seen, I've had them fail in my own business. It's hard to be responsible for other people. So I would say if you're deciding who to go to business with, Ask yourself, could you see yourself, you know, working with that person? Do you see yourself communicating on a regular basis, understanding each other, working through problems together? If not, get prepared to do that because those are the things required to be in a partnership. Amen, brother. You are absolutely right. And that's something and your 15 years experience, which is mm -hmm. a good long time. You've been able to grow, like you said, through the example of your family, seeing the power of tenacity and hard work and a good worth ethic. After 15 years and being in the industry of sales, when did you see that magic moment of you reaching your goals and being successful happen? And what was that situation? Oh, that's a that's a fun question. Uh, I would say, you know, it's success can be defined in a lot of people's terms in terms of my success or how it was that magic moment, if you will. I had the resolve. I had a commitment to succeed, meaning this. Um, when I cut my teeth in door-to-door sales, I said to myself, I'm, I'm going to work every day to the best of my ability. I'm going to control all of the things I can control. I can work eight hours or 10 hours a day. You know, I can talk to X amount of customers. The customers that are wasting my time, they're not interested. I got to get through them as fast as possible. And if I get three or four sales a day, that's not just the result of a commitment. It's it's the result of playing the numbers game in sales. But it's also um, part of my resolve to do what I did because I was the top first year sales rep for first line security in 07, 07, 08 season, I guess it was. And uh, that, that year changed my life. It gave me a huge paradigm shift. And that was because people were like, wow, did you know you were going to sell over 200 accounts? And I was like, no, I mean, I, I couldn't even fathom 100 accounts. I just wanted to make it through the summer knowing I did my best. And I went home with, you know, $50,000 in my bank account to show my mom, hey, I didn't fail. And I proved her, you know, wrong telling me, oh, you shouldn't quit your job at Home Depot or stay in school. And it's hard for people to know exactly what they want to do because they don't know what their level of commitment is. After you've set a goal, resolve is in your mind, it's already done. Or 
I know what I'm going to feel like when I'm in the possession of the accounts or the money or et cetera. And so for me, it's, hey, having this mindset fixed upon your goal and doing only activities that draw you closer to your goal. If you're definitely committed to a goal, you're going to do whatever you have to do, move heaven and, and earth to align whatever you want to call it, your work ethic and activity with that goal. If it distracts or diminishes the, the goal, then you're either not committed to it or you have to readjust. And that's why it's so important to have like a goal and a commitment to that goal and then the resolve to follow through regardless of where you're at in the process. A lot of people give up on their goals because they're like, I'm not seeing immediate success, be it weight loss, be it a business goal, be it a church goal, whatever. And I heard it put like this from Dr. Ivan Meisner, who's the CEO and founder of BNI. And he said, don't do a hundred things two times, do two things a hundred times. Get really good at the little stuff and watch those help shape your goals, your activities, and your thoughts towards what it is that you want. And ultimately in sales, it's, I want to make a certain income or I want a certain level of clients or a certain level of comfort. And really those skills that you possess, or if you don't possess, come over time and practice and they take a long time to develop. But at the same time, you have to be committed to that process. If you give up on the process, you're just going to have to start over with something. I read a book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell is a social scientist. And in the book, he says it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill. And if you Google that question, how long does it take to master a skill? The the universal answer is 10,000 hours. And so he does, or I'm sorry, I'm giving you the wrong book. Not the, not, it's not the tipping point. It's um, the talent code by Daniel Coyle. Daniel Coyle does these case studies on like Beyonce and Tiger Woods and Jessica Simpson and says, why are these people so successful at what they do? Well, they've sunk over 10,000 hours into their skill. They've gotten really good with a lot of good practice, mentors, teachers, but they themselves have put in the dedicated hours to practice and get good at their, their gift, their skill, if you will. Nobody is inherently born with their skill. And you weren't born with a driver's license. You had to go test for it and practice and have so many road hours to even get the license. And even after you get a license, you're not a perfect driver. You get in an accident. You're like, oh, I'm a horrible driver. They gave you a license so you could build your skills by experience. They didn't give you a license because, well, you're never going to get in an accident. They give you the license because they're like, well, you know enough about driving to get good at it. We're going to trust that you're going to obey the laws and go get good at driving. It's the same thing in business or anything else with sports, learning an instrument, doing anything good requires deep practice, dedication, and a relentless work ethic and a positive attitude. Because if you wake up grumpy and you don't want to play the drums and you're practicing drums because your mom's making you do it, your heart's not in it and you're probably not going to stick with it. Or if you do, you're going to hate it. And so a lot of people, you know, have to do it for the right reasons too. So Drew, I can tell that you're a man who really likes to immerse themselves in a lot of motivational reading and talks, which is a, a, a fantastic <laughs> thing to do. A lot of good knowledge and wisdom you put up there in your head. So that's, that's wonderful. Now you are in the prime, both of your life and your business career right now. If you had something that you would want to have left in your personal legacy, what would you hope to leave to your family, your friends, your community, those people you serve? 
What would be that big thing that you would hope to have your name remembered by? That's a deep question. And, uh, well, obviously, um, Don Trail, if I die before you, will you speak at my funeral? There's your question. <laughs> of you got to consider that. Right. If I'm still here to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ask my daughter that all the time. She, I'm like, if I die, and then she goes, yes, yes, dad, I'll speak at your funeral. <laughs> and really all I want my family to do is live happy and obviously do more, accomplish more than I did. I hope I gave my kids more than my parents gave me. And it's not a comparison. It's it's just, I feel blessed. I have great parents. I have a great family and a strong name, a good legacy that I value. And I want my kids to obviously have all the opportunities that I had and more in, in order to put yourself in front of a lot of opportunities, you got to take a lot of action and you have to also create for yourself the image of yourself. I can do it. That positive mental attitude, that the intrinsic tenacity comes from a place of self-confidence of I can do it. I'm good enough. I'm the best. And those affirmations that you say to yourself, Brian Tracy says in his book, you know, psychology of selling, saying those things like I can do it. I'm the best isn't building your ego. It's actually releasing endorphins or dopamines in your brain to give you a natural high. And that's important because um, you can do so much with the, the right mindset. You can do more with the right team and mentor. And for my kids, you know, I just want them to be open to learning, just like I was. Brian Tracy, I'll go back to him. When I was 21, he came to speak um, to the company and my friend Ben Ward asked this question that I'll never forget because he repeated it to us in like a correlation meeting. He said, he asked the question to Brian. He said, if I was your son, what's one piece of advice you'd give me? And his answer was Kaizen or constant never ending improvement. And um, I believe that if you're committed to that, you can have whatever you want in this life. So I want my kids obviously to have that mentality. And yeah, I mean, regardless of what they do as a career, who they marry, anything like that. I just want them to go further, farther, faster than I did. You know, I think every parent wants that for their children. Absolutely. You know, you are on a very good path to not only being successful continuously in your business, but you're setting that great example for your kids. And so I definitely hope that they will continue on and following your example. And I, I wish us both <laughs> a long and happy life <laughs> as well so that I can continue to see you grow and thrive in your element, my friend. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's our friendship is one of a kind. I've known Dontrell. Um, how long have I known you, Dontrell? Over half my life, man, like 16 years. 16 we have years. had the opportunity to know each other since 2004. And, 16 years. you know, okay. yeah. And I've seen you grow in so many ways and what you do. And it's absolutely amazing. And so thank you so much for giving me some time and sharing this story with all of the listeners out there. My pleasure, man. Rock on. Thank you for listening to Morrow's Motivational Podcast. Please join us again next time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.